Welcome to Motherhood Unstressed, a podcast for anyone who wants to let go of stress and anxiety and learn how to be more fully present in life. Each week, I'm speaking with experts in the fields of entrepreneurship, nutrition, mindset, sex, spirituality, and so much more. I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. I'm a writer, a speaker, and an entrepreneur. Through my own struggle to balance the demands of motherhood and life, I discovered that to truly be happy, we need to be present. Your journey to feeling less stressed and more blissfully present in your own life starts right now. Hey guys, in this episode, I'm speaking with Connor Moore, and he's sharing his journey of self-discovery and personal development and how he turned the hard life lessons that he learned into a top-rated podcast and a coaching practice. Um, Connor is really special in that he values authenticity over everything, and he's pretty open about how he's not you know, the nicest person around, but he will be completely straight with you, which is something I really admire about him. So in this episode, we talk about psychedelics and how plants can be our teachers. Uh, We talk about authenticity and male toxicity and how that is uh, going away in the new world and how everyone can connect better with others when they bring down their own walls and get super vulnerable and get super real and how even though that's a really scary thing to do and think about how it's absolutely necessary for us to fully enjoy this one life experience and experience it in a full and natural way. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope Connor's words of wisdom set off some light bulbs in your own life, or maybe just someone, you know, in your own life who you think might benefit from hearing it. So if that's the case with you, please share it with them. And uh, if you haven't already, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes and share it out uh, when you're listening to this, when you're on your commute or at the gym, or cleaning your house, whatever you might be doing, screenshot uh, the episode on Apple and share it on on your Instagram stories, and then I will share it back out to our community as well. This episode is sponsored by Motherhood Unstressed CBD Supplements. These are the supplements that I created with the intention of helping you deal with stress and anxiety in a natural way. I take two in the morning, and within about uh, a half hour, I feel so much more grounded and calm and focused and ready to take on the day. So it really is a tool in your toolkit to help you live a better, happier life. So you can pick up yours at motherhoodunstressed.com or if you're in Atlanta at Nuts and Berries in Brookhaven or Roots Juices in Buckhead. Hey, Connor. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on. Yeah, nice to finally jump on the show. Yeah. So um, I always do this. I kind of always want to start with a little bit of context for the listeners if they haven't heard of you yet. Why don't you give us a little bit about your origin story, how the Realness Podcast began and your coaching program, how that all started? Yeah. So it all started, where did it all start? It all started in Graham, Texas. That's <laughs> where I'm from. <laughs> I'm from this little bitty town in, uh, in North Texas. And that's where I spent, you know, the first 19 years of my life and where I thought I would spend the majority of my life. I had an idea that I would go to college and get a business degree and then come back and help the family business. And, and I was totally happy with that once upon a time in life. And then I, um, I had a really bad back injury working in the oil industry. I was doing some, uh, manual labor like I did, I've been doing my whole life. And 
that kicked me out of football. I, could never, I couldn't play football anymore after that. And I was playing football in college. And that sent me into my first existential crisis. <laughs> I was, I couldn't walk. It was just this crazy, weird experience. And the doctors were saying I couldn't, I could never train again. I couldn't, I couldn't, de- I was never going to deadlift again. And I just remember thinking like, I don't accept that. Like, I don't accept that as my new reality. So I started reading, I started reading, um, the, the best, the best strength and conditioning books I get my hands on at the time in 2006. And that was my introduction into strength and conditioning. And it was more just for my own, my own body and my own life. And what happened because I was, you know, I'm super extroverted and I was in the gym a lot is that I started giving people advice. They would ask me how to do things. They would see me doing different things. And I started helping people train. And that got me really fired up about training people and in the fitness space and fitness became this language that I spoke. Um, and it felt really nice to connect with people in that way. And also fast forward, I, I changed paths in college. I got a degree in, in health and fitness management from Texas state. Um, and in that time, you know, I left everything I thought I knew and went to a place I'd never really been with, with around, surrounded by people I didn't know for the first time in my life. And, uh, that's, that, you know, I know it's a really early start to my origin story, but that's where it all kind of changed. And I was a personal trainer in, in college. And then I, I got heavily into CrossFit right out of college. And so at 21 years old, I was in front of groups of 20, 30 people, just being able to have an impact on them and, and working with people and trying to understand. I mean, maybe my original intentions were just to compete and, and have something to invest myself into. And maybe they were kind of superficial, but very quickly it became about the people that I was working with. And, and I started to understand that it wasn't about the workout on the board or the way that we were training necessarily. It was about the people. So eventually opened a gym in my late twenties, did that for a couple of years, which the universe kind of showed me pretty quickly that that was not the path for me. <laughs> and that <laughs> I was, I was, I was involved in like some real estate fraud that it was, was unbeknownst to me, like some crazy stuff happened. It was, mm-hmm. it was pretty wild. And, and from, through that experience, um, learned a lot. I remember actually the, the closing of my gym and the first time I did ayahuasca were about a month apart. Mm-hmm. So it really all lined up in this very, very serendipitous way. And I remember thinking while I was in the gym, just really reflecting on why I did what I did. Um, you know, I, I could get people's attention and I really cared about people. I still do, obviously. Um, but I, I just, it wasn't about fitness anymore. Like fitness wasn't the language. Fitness was my catalyst. It was like my launching off point, but it wasn't, I, it was hold at that point I was living in a box that I'd created and, and I wanted to break out of that. So I had a choice when I closed the gym a month later, this is in 2000 and around 2014, 2014, 2015, um, to go back in to stay in fitness or just completely walk away. And after some serious reflection, I decided I will not coach. I will not coach CrossFit. I will not be a personal trainer. I'm, I'm not in the fitness business anymore. Mm-hmm. And I completely let go of that part of myself and a big part of my identity as well. And that whole experience. So I took three months to myself and just spent a lot of time reading and walking in the woods and playing with my dog and, and essentially living on, chicken, rice, and avocados, whatever <laughs> I could afford. The only thing that I would splurge on was like maybe a date here and there and a fancy, a fancy cup of coffee. And that was the time where I, I started to again read a lot, started investigating, got really into Alan Watts and different philosophers and 
and started questioning why I was even alive in the first place. And from that experience, I started writing. I started putting my thoughts out, started meditating and getting into self-work. So I started sharing. I had this little like little baby platform at the time. So I just started sharing what I was coming up with and what I was doing because I wasn't really in the gym anymore. And that's all that I was just sharing my gym life. And there was this big void. So I started filling it with meditation and personal development and what I was going through. And I loved it. I loved sharing that. Um, and because I was doing that, I caught the attention of uh, the CEO of Onnit. Um, and I started working there for about, I was there for about a year. And we worked on a program called Go For Your Win. And that was my first time working with people. And I worked with probably thousands of people by that point through fitness. Um, but I never worked with somebody without the excuse being their abs are getting stronger mm-hmm. or getting better at fitness or getting, you know, competing in CrossFit. Like that was always the, it wasn't really the underlying reason why people were training, but it was the, what they thought was the reason. Right. So I had to get through that. And that was, we ran this go for your win program. I was a community manager. And so I was in, in engaging with people constantly, you know, 800 people in this program. And they were just asking questions and they were just seeking help. They just wanted someone to tell them, you know, me too, like this, it's hard. And here's some strategies, here's some resources because I'd, I had been so deep in the personal development space. Like that, that was, it felt so good to share that. And I started doing Facebook lives into that community and that's did amazingly well. And people responded very well. So the next logical step for me uh, was a podcast. So through that, I mean, it just, it, the, the kind of snowball was rolling down the hill by that point, it picked up some steam. Um, I started the pleasure monkey podcast is what the first podcast was called. And that was so fun. It gave me so much freedom and I had such a great, such an amazing supportive network in the beginning um, to help me catapult the pleasure monkey podcast. And it just, it, it felt so great to express myself in that way. I felt so alive when I was doing it and, and so present in those conversations and immediately was, was grateful for the opportunity and ran what was called the pleasure monkey podcast for about a year. And then we switched the name to once it had a life of its own and had, we really decided, and, and it was obvious that the podcast is about self-expression and being authentic in the way that you live your, live your life. And that takes some work. I mean, authenticity is a process. So I had come up with the name, the realness in 2011, as funny as it seems. <laughs> and I was wanting to rename the podcast. Like I knew it needed to dip. We needed to change. We needed something that had a little bit more soul to it. And, and I asked one of the, um, I was actually on a podcast just like this one. And I remember at the end, uh, he was, he was asking if I could, if he could help with anything. And I'm like, Hey man, you know, I'm looking to, looking to change the name of the podcast. Um, can you tell me like what you like about it? Like what really stands out? He goes, honestly, bro, I just love the realness of it. And I remember thinking the realness, that was actually the name of my first website. (laughs) So I honestly, one of my clients in 2012 made me a custom kettlebell. She was a painter that said the realness on it. And I had it in my garage and I walked by it every day. It was right there every day. I remember mm-hmm. walking downstairs and looking at that and I was like, this is it. This is it. So the next month was rebranding to the realness and things have just, once I made that shift, things have changed so much. And, and through that created the lifestyle design program because people were reaching out, wanting, wanting support and wanting to be seen and heard. And the lifestyle design program has turned into this, it's just, again, just an amazing experience, but it's all, it's been more about noticing what was there than about making things happen, I would say. 
Yeah. And it seems like you've always consistently played to your strengths, you know, connecting with others, being real, being authentic, and you've just done it in different ways. And now it's kind of evolved into this and it's, it's impacting lives. It absolutely is. I mean, it's fascinating to watch. Um, But I wanted to ask you about like, you've been really open with, you know, your past, your difficult childhood. I mean, was that natural to you? I mean, especially as a guy, I feel like, you know, you're more conditioned to be tough and be strong and not express emotion. And you're so the opposite of that. So can you kind of enlighten our listeners? Uh, is that just unique to you or is this the new way? Oh, man, I would I would hesitate to call it the new way. Um, you know, what I find in hindsight looking at that, I think it's I, I take the responsibility to be extremely open and sometimes extremely weird. And I think that it helps people give themselves permission to do the same, even if it's just to a small degree. And I think that's extremely liberating. Yeah, it was natural for me. And I'd come from a place where in the fitness world where my mistakes became a shortcut for someone else. If I was doing something wrong for a year or I could improve something, then I would share what I did wrong, why I thought about it the way I did and where my change, where my shift in thinking was and what the result of that shift in thinking had been for me. And I sought that fast track people. And I've, you know, if I look at the Jordan Peterson big five scale, like I rank pretty low on politeness. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, I'm highly compassionate. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> so I just kind of, I love to say things the way they are. And I think I became grateful for my past and it became so much easier to share it. You know, I, I became grateful for having, you know, parents that were, that were addicts. And that was very confusing for me. And I think, you know, I like to say that my parents' addiction to amphetamines left me with the addiction to asking why, because so many things in my life didn't make sense. So I was just like, why is this, this doesn't make sense. Like, why, why? That doesn't seem logical to my eight, nine-year-old brain. And I think I just wired my, kind of wired me to be very curious and very inquisitive about what's going on in the world. So I started to find ways to be grateful for it. It only made sense for me to explain it. And maybe explaining it to other people helped me understand myself more, but, um, I think, I think it's extremely liberating to, to express what you've been going through and honor your own feelings through communication and through language. And I honestly can't say I did it on purpose, but the feedback has been, has been positive for the most part as well. Absolutely. Because you're right. It is so incredibly liberating to men and women. You know, you see someone who is out there putting themselves out there, risking looking dumb or looking any kind of way. And, and it is, it's like, well, I want to do that too. It feels good. You see someone else, it does give you the courage to share as well. Um, but, you know, for, for the majority of my listeners are women, if they are with someone who doesn't necessarily share or keeps things bottled up or doesn't communicate, what's one thing that they could do um, to get them to open up or to get them to feel more comfortable? Yeah, I think it's just, that's such a great question. And it's, it's challenging. And there are, everybody's different, right? And, and when it when it comes to men, especially, and I work with a lot of men and I look at this and, and a lot of guys, they need to know it's okay. And sometimes I think they need to know it's okay from a, from a, a man's place with a grounded place of, of like I can hold this, like holding space for a man and his feelings is not an easy thing to do because they've been bottled up and suppressed. And a lot of guys, I can speak even for myself, don't know how to handle them. 
like when it, when they start to come out, it, it feels like you're so out of control because it's like the dam broke, right? It's just this flood of of things that you're not familiar with handling, and then you don't have the tools to handle them. So, and I, when it comes to men, I feel that they need to take ownership of of their own processing. Now, that's why I love a book like Mark Manson's "The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck." Because it's fun and light, but it's very and it's very practical. And I think the masculine thrives in that practicality. So finding someone or some some resource that can help open you up a little bit at a time and hold the space for that, hold the space for that, and let you get acquainted with the tools necessary to to express feelings that you're unfamiliar with and that you've suppressed, because it's a lot to handle. Mm. And I was just thinking like your podcast, that would be an amazing resource, you know, to direct people to. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I like to say that I love, I love to give people permission to give themselves permission <laughs> to have feelings. <laughs> yeah, and that it's going to be okay. And that you're going to be held and it's, you're not going to, you know, blow up your relationships. If anything, you'll become closer in all of your relationships. Sometimes, sometimes, but I will say that a lot of times women aren't the best at, um, uh, Women buy into those women buy into those roles just as much as men do. Like I, I've been in a place where you know something I've gotten very clear. I think it's so important in, in partnership to get very clear on your values. And there's a big part of me that wants to be nurtured in a way when I need it, and that's not often. But every now and then, like that's something that's super important to me. And I've I've been in you know the most recent serious relationship I was in. I never got that. Mm. I, I and and I thought I was broken because of it. And I think. A lot of women that aren't in touch with themselves, or maybe they ascribe, maybe they have their own, well, you should be more like my dad, and my dad didn't show feelings, and I love him, and he loves me, so that's the way that things are supposed to supposed to go down. But your partner's not your dad, <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, you know, it's like, there was times where, you know, if I'm being really honest here, like, I got, I got, I got broken up with on the same day as my grandmother's funeral, and it was because I was kind of a wreck and I wasn't mean or like, it was just, it, it was one of those things where I felt weak and I was weak. I was in the week that that woman showed me how to love that. She took me in when my parents were God doing God knows what. And if I, if I would have let it, let that reside in me, I would be so, so scared to allow myself to be vulnerable again. And that took, that's taken over a year of processing to a place where I'm finally in a place and I kind of honor my own feelings and honor my own process and say like, Hey, you know, my heart's kind of closed off right now and that's okay. And if I was, you know, if I was my heart, I would be closed off too, because it was open to some stuff there that wasn't, wasn't very accepting. And I think that that's, that's okay. But I, I think sometimes it gets put off on men for not knowing how to handle it. And I think a lot of times women don't know how to handle men that don't know how to handle their feelings. It's, 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 a, Absolutely. it's a, it's a very negative feedback cycle. Absolutely. Oh man. That's really interesting though, because I feel like even you just expressing that with your own story, someone listening to this right now, like a light bulb just went off. It's but, like, oh, that one girl that I was dated did want me to be like a hard ass all the time. And that right. was like a role. That and that wasn't, to, it was, there was nothing wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> they're just feelings <laughs> <laughs> um so you have been also very open about uh your experience with plant medicines namely ayahuasca 
Um, do you think your experience with that has opened up your heart more or was that just more of a tool to getting to the root of issues that you knew you had, or maybe that you didn't even know you had? Yeah. Um, I'm very open about that because again, that's, that's another, it's almost like anything that has stigma around it. Like I (laughs) feel responsible for changing. Um, you know, and and I will talk, I'd love to talk about ayahuasca, but I will say that, that what's helped me the most with the stuff that we're talking about now has been psilocybin mushrooms. I feel like that has been such a, such a profound teacher and such a profound experience for me using, using psilocybin as, as a tool for my own self-reflection. And I say that because when you're in that place and you have almost exiled your feelings, you have a really strong inner critic. Like your inner critic is, you know, can bench press 600. It's a, it's a, it's a beast of a, of a, of a personality trait. And one thing that psilocybin seems to do is quiet that for a little while and let you really experience yourself from a place of lightheartedness. And, and I feel that's so important. It's so important to just understand how goofy we are as, as animals. We're just a silly like, kind of confused primate that's trying to figure this all out. And when you can see the, the, just kind of the goofiness of all of it, it helps you, it it creates a better space in my opinion to to experience yourself fully. And for me, like I said, psilocybin has been huge for that. And that was, you know, taking a little bit and going down, going for a hike and just being by myself. So it's not like you're going out like partying, things like that. It's really just connecting to nature and just connecting to yourself. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like it was my favorite place to do it is in a hammock. You know, in a hammock with a night by 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 a piece by some water that's rolling by, and just with a, with my dog, which a good dog will show you how to live your life. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. No, but I mean it's true. Yeah. Like you hear a lot now, like people talking about the intelligence of plants, and when you eat really nutritious food, you're getting the intelligence of that food on a cellular level. So I, I could totally see a correlation with that being the case with mushrooms. What was exactly. one of the most profound things that you? realize during one of these trips or one of these experiences? I think, you know, the first one, (laughs) the moment that I realized uh, the meaning of life. (laughs) What? Do tell. (laughs) So um, I was, it was just me me by myself and I was walking down in what's called the green belt in Austin. And uh, I was listening to Alan Watts. And I might butcher the quote here, but he said something along the lines of uh, you're an aperture at which the universe views itself. You're, you're a nerve ending on the universe that the universe uses to experience itself. And he says that there's a bunch of quotes that he has that are all along those lines. But essentially, it's that the meaning of your life is to experience, is to feel, it's, it's to be in your life, to be present in your life. And that made so much sense to me. It made so much sense to me. It made, it made shame and, and fear seem completely unnecessary. And that wasn't, I wasn't, you know, seeing crazy visuals. And I, I was just, I just blurred the boundaries of, of my normal reality enough to be very accepting of, of something like that. And when I started to think about experience in that way, it led me to what I feel like is kind of my philosophy for life now is that when we can broaden the boundaries of our experience, when we can look at like what boundary, what boundaries have I and my experience in life placed on how I experience this life. 
you know, is, is, is there, is there shame around things that I don't necessarily agree with, but they're, they're so patterned in my way of being that they're limiting me. And can I, can I consciously broaden those, that, that experience? Can I, can I step outside of that without being ashamed of myself? Right. Cause once we step over those boundaries of experience, that's where we get shame and judgment. And we've had that there and we have context for that, but can we put that aside for a moment and just experience a little bit more and experience a little bit more and take that new experience into the present moment and then express ourselves more fully. Cause the more context we have on life, the more fully we can express ourselves. And if you think about the world around you as just a mirror for yourself, then how you express yourself into the world becomes very important because that is exactly what gets reflected back at you as your perception. And when I started to understand that and put that all together, that, that really put me on purpose. And that became my purpose was to, that's why I do the ridiculous shit that I do on the podcast is because I would, I would love for people to give themselves the opportunity to broaden their boundaries of experience. And that, I think that may be, I mean, I've had numerous uh, mushroom experiences that have been impactful. It's hard to, it's hard to say one, you know, Um, but that, I think that one, that one's been the one that I've carried with me from the early days when it, when this was, and coming from that place, I was, that was, I was depressed at that time. Like I was really, I actually went back and looked at, um, I recently had a one week, um, retreat, ayahuasca retreat in Costa Rica. I just got back today actually. And I was looking back, uh, a good friend of mine named Mike Salemi. We both had old journals that we had with us. And I have one journal that I call the old, Oh shit journal. It's like only, <laughs> only when things are going down, like breakups or somebody dies or like ayahuasca mm-hmm. ceremonies, it's the only thing in there. And I had, Back in, uh, I looked back to the very first page. He was like, dude, go read the very beginning of your journal and see what's there. And I remember reading the first line. The first line of my journal was, I don't really know how to do this. <laughs> I was talking about journaling. I was like, I'm not really sure how to do this, but I'm going to try and figure it out. And then a few lines in, it said, I haven't figured out how to be happy yet. Mm. Like I just didn't know. I, I didn't know how to be happy. And that was in 2015. And I remember writing that in my journal and that became a, a great place for self-expression. And, and so those, that was the, the same time that this, this was all kind of transpiring. So I was pretty desperate for something. I, I, I needed something because on paper I was okay, you know, but in my own, in my own heart, in my own, in my own life, I was, it felt, felt so empty. You know, uh, but I, I think know. that storyline is, is being experienced by so many people, you know, especially guys all over the world and girls too. I mean, we are at a fast pace right now in the world. I mean, everyone is rushing around. It feels like for me, it feels like it's speeding by. And so to stop and to reflect and to journal and to question, I think is freaking magic. And I think it's just, it really is a way to stop time and to put into perspective, you know, why are we really here? You know, what is this? You know, I, I am of the philosophy that life is meant to be pleasurable and we are here to experience and connect and enjoy our time here and to feel and stuff is shitty and that's okay too, because that's part of the whole. And I was reading Alan Watts the other day on the train and he was saying something like, there's good and bad. You can't hate death and love life. You either love all of it or you don't really connect with it and love it. Like you can't just pick and choose what you love. Like you have to fully accept the entire experience. And that's why we're here. I mean, that's why life is so beautiful because it's awful and it's beautiful all in one. Hmm. I love that. And that, that, that statement of that philosophy has been echoed 
through so many teachings and so many impactful teachings. Whether we're talking about Jesus or Buddha or any yeah. any of the bodhisattvas or a guy like Alan Watts or Ram Dass or like fill in the blank. The, the, accepting all of life. And, and I feel that you experience life on a spectrum, you know, and I talk about so many things through the context of experience, but the, the reason that people say things like love hurts is because it can. And if you love something so much or somebody so much, you have the capacity to be hurt just as much, but you're, you're allowing yourself. You're saying, I'm okay. I'm okay with the quote unquote negative experiences of this positive experience. Right. Because they're all one thing they're two sides of the same coin. And by, by broadening that spectrum, you open yourself up to more pleasure, more ecstatic experiences, more joy and, and more sadness and frustration and longing like those, those, they all they all are interwoven and that's incredible it's it's so it's a it's magic that we get to experience the way that we get to experience it's to have senses to have to have the ability to connect with different people in different ways it's not like we're cells and amoebas that are just like bumping into you maybe maybe they have feelings too i don't know i haven't (laughs) been one that i know of but it's the fact that 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 i think it's so beautiful just the fact that you and i will have a different conversation than i'll have with somebody at the gym later and the mm-hmm. next podcast that I'm on will be a different thing. And they feel different inside of me, inside of my heart, inside of my body and my whole experience. Like our connection feels different than anybody else's connection I have. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's fucking crazy. That's wild and, and beautiful. And we have this intuition inside of us too, that tells us when, when we've, you know, connected with somebody that's substantial. And that's, what is that? No one explains that. Physics doesn't explain that. And do we even need to know? All I need to know is that it's badass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I totally love that. And I totally love everything you just said and about connecting to the good and the bad. But how do you talk to someone who maybe is moving more on the spectrum towards depression or anxiety? Like, How can you fully enjoy life while still enjoying the bad things too, but not be so downtrodden and so negative? Yeah, that's such a good question. I was actually working with a client on this today. And yeah, it's funny how that works. I'm kind of psychic. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, I feel like a lot of times um, anxiety and depression or they're heavy and they feel either heavy or empty, in my opinion. When people describe it's like I've got this like heaviness about me or I feel like weighed down or I feel like there's nothing there. And I think that's 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 you trying to realize like your subconscious trying to show you that you've wandered off, right. That, that you have, that you, that you are disconnected from yourself. And since we don't have the tools and we don't have the teachers to show us how to write the ship, right. To bounce off of that and, and, and use that and use that as, as use that intuition. Like I was speaking about to, to change course. We just keep, it's like, no, I've got to, I've got to keep my nose to the grindstone. If I just keep doing the next thing, then I'll be happy. Then if I just keep doing the next thing, then I'll be happy. But I think we don't honor our feelings enough. You know, we don't honor our feelings enough. And actually, you know, I, I work with people sometimes that have just never honored their own feelings. And a lot of times it's because they haven't had this massive, like hitting rock bottom feeling. But instead, they're just hovering right above rock bottom forever. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's just, it is never, it's, it's, sometimes I feel like it's easier for someone who's an addict or a, uh, an alcoholic or is completely lost or has a huge financial 
collapse. So then they, they they don't have a choice but to notice. They have it's forced reflection or lose your fucking mind. And that's I feel like I really feel for those people. And one one thing I mean I, I love to say like the, the biggest co- like collapse in my life was my gym failing, and mm. it's turned into literally everything that I do now. And I can't I couldn't imagine still doing that. But I had the gift of a complete mess. <laughs> because it was not, there was no question besides like, dude, you've got to sort this out. Like this mm-hmm. is, but if I would have just been able to just move along and just, well, maybe I'll make, you know, $20,000 more next year. And then maybe, then I'll, maybe I'll get this house. Maybe I'll get this thing. And I got to play in that world a little bit. Um, and got to feel it. I think I got enough of it just to feel the context of it. But it, it, I think that really is kind of our soul calling to us. And, and we just haven't been taught how to listen. Man, that's so beautiful. So kind of wrapping up this interview, um, what, what do you think is the biggest takeaway that you want our listeners to walk away from? You know, what do you want your legacy to be? <laughs> My legacy. At least on this episode. <laughs> no, I, um, it's funny. I know, I'm glad I got to talk about uh, my grandmother dying a little bit because that, that'll, that'll, um, that'll feed into this, this whole story. But uh, I spoke at her, at her funeral and I remember I got chills now just even thinking about this. Um, I, I couldn't, I had this kind of existential spiral thinking about her dying. And she had ALS and, you know, I watched the strongest woman I've ever loved or never known and loved so much who did so much for me and other people that she didn't have to. She was just to a fault. I mean, she was definitely an enabler, let's be real, but she, it, was, it was always from a place of love. Like even you could taste the love in the chicken fried steak that she made. Like she was a special, special woman. And I, and I had a hard time with the, with, for a while because, you know, I'm in this place where I have a lot of eyes on me and that's something that maybe that's ego. Maybe that's feeling the need for it. Maybe, you know, fill in the blank as to what that could mean. But I remember knowing that in two weeks in my hometown, outside of my family, like nobody will really think about, you know, old Brenda Martin is her name. Like she just another older woman who passed away. So I started to think about legacy and what legacy means. And I knew I've thought about how many people she knew and how many people she helped and how many people she gave a chance to. And even though in the whole scheme of things that she won't be necessarily remembered, there'll be no statues, there'll be no monuments. You know, she, she was just another woman that was doing the best that she could. And that actually was so liberating for me to think about the, the skills that she taught people through her actions impacted their lives and that in turn impacted other people's lives. Maybe that was their kids. Maybe that was the way that they, maybe they had a chance because she gave them a chance. Right. And, and that, that to me was such a beautiful legacy. And I feel like so much time, so much in this world, we feel, we feel pressure to, to be, to be more, you know, to be more and I need more. I got to do more and I need to, I need more followers or I need more fill in the, anything, whatever the thing is, everybody's got their thing. And if I could say, if I, if I want a legacy, it's to understand that you're enough. It's to let people know that they're, they're enough, you're enough. And to be present with the people that are around you and acknowledge the world that's right in front of your face will be one of the most beautiful things you'll ever do. And by strengthening the connections that are right, in, right around you, there's so, much, there's so much magic in that. And it doesn't have to be complicated. It's actually the most simple thing ever. You just have to listen and be present. 
And I love that. I love that about life. And I, and I think it, it's, it's, it takes the pressure off when the pressure's off, we can, we can do a lot of good. I think Alan would agree with you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's <I> beautiful. So. <laughs> um, so I do have some rapid fire questions if you're ready. Oh, okay. I'll do my best. I'm kind of long winded. So hopefully I'll, I'll stay rapid response as well. I <laughs> know you're okay. Um, the world needs. The world needs us. All of us. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> it's pretty simple. Like, this needs us to pay attention and listen. The problems are obvious and the solutions are right there. I believe in. I believe in connection. I'm grateful for. <laughs> you know, um, we didn't talk a ton about ayahuasca, but uh, in my one ceremony that um, next year is going to be long-winded, and the one ceremony that really, really, really shook me, um, I went in wanting to see my heart, and I'm getting like emotional even thinking about this. And I remember I went through the darkest experience I've ever been through in my entire life. And at the end, when I was kind of putting the pieces back together, I remember just putting my hand on my chest and feeling my heartbeat. And I sobbed. I was sobbing because I was so grateful to be alive. And so grateful for every fucking beat of that thing inside of me that keeps me alive. So I'm grateful for my heart. Hmm. And what's something that you've learned in life that you wish someone would have told you earlier on? <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> ask better questions. That's been the biggest. You ask great big. questions. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't always. I didn't always ask any questions at all. I just did shit. <laughs> I love it. This is so much fun. Um, so, for our listeners, what's the best way to find you online, connect with you, check out the podcast? Where are you at? Yeah, the, the place that I spend the most of my time outside of in my real life is uh, on Instagram. So you can find me. It's Connor Wanders, C-O-N-N-E-R-W-A-N-D-E-R-S. It's Connor with an E, Wanders with an A. And then uh, the Realness Podcast and all those links are on Instagram. I stay pretty active on there and, and love, love connecting with people through the silly little social media apps. Wow. This was such a pleasure. Thank you so much yeah. for sharing you, your Jen. light. And your experience. I mean, right after the ayahuasca trip. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, you get me. I'm, I'm like cracked open and super gooey right now. Um, and thank you so much. Thank you for everything you're doing, by the way. It's been so fun watching you grow and change. And, and it's, I'm, I feel really honored to be on the show with you. So thank you. Thank you. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you love this episode with Connor Moore. Again, you can check out his podcast, The Realness on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode as much as I did recording it, please share it with a friend and screenshot it and share it on your Insta stories and tag me, Motherhood Unstressed, and then I'll share it back out and we'll just keep this whole community vibe going. I hope you have an amazing day and I will see you next week.